Well, hey there, Church of the City podcasters. Pastor Matt here. Just wanted to provide a little bit of an introduction to what you are about to hear. This is one of our webinars from our Formation Workshops series. And over the next number of weeks, there's going to be new lectures posted from that series. And so our prayer is that these lectures would be an encouragement to you as you practice the spiritual disciplines in your life to be formed into a disciple of Jesus. So may these lectures bless you and feel free to share these at your leisure. You are loved. Welcome to our third formation workshop, our third of seven. Uh, so our, our first two were led by Sarah Evans. Uh, tonight is going to be led by my dear friend and brother, Jeff Hesselink, not literal brother, but um, very close spiritual brother and uh, neighbor as well. Um, true, true neighbor, physical neighbor, um, two doors down. So uh, I'm really excited to hear what Jeff is uh, has prepared for us tonight. Tonight, we're going to talk about fasting. And uh, Jeff would probably be the first to say that he is no expert on fasting. But you know, are any of us ever an expert on any spiritual discipline? Probably not. So Jeff's kind of compiled some thoughts. Um, and from what he's shared with me, we're going to be blessed uh, by our time together tonight. So uh, without further ado, I think I'm going to turn it over to Jeff. Jeff, just let me uh, make sure you can unmute. Are you good there? I think so. All right. And just a quick note for everybody. Jeff will share some thoughts that he's put together. And then towards the end, we'll kind of, you know, have some time for any questions that you may have. And uh, yeah, um, Jeff will do his best to answer. I can kind of be the second string um, option there if if uh if jeff wants to kick it to me at all but uh yeah it's gonna be um yeah we'll, we'll hear some thoughts from jeff and then at the end we'll have some time for uh for questions and in some uh conversation all right jeff take it away thank you spencer um one or two of you or or all of you can give me a thumbs up how's my audio and my video thank you thank you so spiritual formation workshops, uh, welcome. Thank you for taking some time out of your Wednesday evening to um, gather together about spiritual formation and spiritual workshops. I wrote down what Spencer said the first time we did this, which is that in a time of lockdown like this, it's never been more important to have a plan for your spiritual health and growth. For believers throughout the centuries, a key part of that plan has often been the spiritual disciplines. Maybe you've wanted to learn or to grow in or to incorporate more these disciplines, but didn't quite know how to start or how to make them a regular part of your habits. So those are some of the motivators that I am uh, coming into this with. So I'm looking forward to sharing some of my insights and things I've read and learned about fasting with you. Let's pray. Lord, as we jump into this time, uh, we just want to come before you at the very front of it and thank you, Father. Thank you for uh, this day. Thank you for this group of brothers and sisters. Spiritually speaking, we gather together and uh, we come before you, Lord. I ask that you would uh, use my words and my the things I've read about and um, for the benefit of uh, the body of believers for your glory and yeah, for the gospel to go forward into the world so that that glorious day can come sooner because we have you in a way, Holy Spirit, you are our 
counselor and you point us to Jesus. And yet at the same time, Jesus, you're not here. We're here and you've, you've gone back and we really want you. We want to be with you. We want to be where you are. Uh, and that, as I've learned, is the major key motivator of a, of a fast is this like unsatisfaction with where I am. I, I want to be where you are. So, Lord, may we tonight, as we talk and learn more about fasting, may that um, appetite, that desire to be closer to you, uh, be refined and, and maybe corrected and made more and more acute and strong that we would really just need to be with you. I pray that in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So I'm just going to jump in with some words on fasting and then we're going to go through some Bible reading on fasting and point some things out. There are some dangers to fasting, which might be in some ways, they're a little more serious than some of the other disciplines. There's a serious concern of like self-righteousness and works righteousness that fasting has that's maybe a little more unique to than some of the other ones. So I want to make sure we touch on that. And then some of the practical matters of how to fast, which I don't think we really need to spend a lot of time on because we probably know that the most. Nevertheless, we will talk about it. So to begin with some notes on fasting. Fasting is going without food or other things, whatever we need or like, or like look to in our daily lives, going without food for spiritual reasons, for the purpose of concentrated focused prayer, is a statement to God that you believe the spiritual is greater than the material. You could say it's pulling away from the material in order to draw nearer to God spiritually. It's an opportunity to get closer to God, not distracted by the daily concern for food. I was saying to Spencer quickly that in this time of lockdown, we can't do some of those things we like to do. Like I like to go on a retreat and have time at the Jesuit center just north of Guelph here. And because of the COVID, I can't do that. But a fast is a little bit like that because I'm drawing away from my regular daily food intake or whatever it is you're into. You want to fast coffee or chocolate or whatever. You pull away from those things. And it's sort of like that because those matters that I normally attend to every few hours or number of times a day are not there anymore. And instead I have this basket of time that I can just like draw nearer to God in. Fasting asks us the question, is our level of commitment to Christ beyond the level of convenience? It's a test of that. So fasting isn't... Um, turning away from bad things. Fasting is for a time setting aside good things in order to draw toward an even better one. God has given us good things and we are thankful for them and we walk in the blessing of them. Nevertheless, fasting is putting that aside in order to get nearer to the giver of the gift. It's a, it's a refiner of no longer loving the gift, recognizing maybe is a little more painfully accurate sometimes recognizing how much we love the gift and how hard it can be to pull away from that in order to draw near to the giver of the gift so there's some quick notes to begin our kind of satiate like like get our salivating on fasting uh, others fast for other reasons christians aren't the only ones to fast there are political reasons that others fast there are personal health reasons that we can fast Many religions use fasting. I remember reading the biography of Steve Jobs. He fasted often for health, you know, cleansing fasts and things like that. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But tonight we're focusing on this fasting from a Christian lens, from a Christian perspective, the spiritual disciplines. 
So why then do we fast? This is where we open up our Bibles. I hope everybody has a Bible nearby. We're going to be reading some Bible. I'm going to be asking people to read the Bible for us. So if you're on my screen and I call your, your name, you're going to read a little bit of the Bible for us. So fasting in the Old Testament was associated with mourning, with desperation, with aching, and with longing. There are a little more than 40 texts from the Old Testament that, that go into fasting and where we see fasting. And from those 40 or so texts, we can see that fasting was de- generally used as mourning, sign of desperation, aching, and longing. In the New Testament, however, we have had the bridegroom. He has come. Jesus has come to us. The folks in the Old Testament were looking forward to the day when the Messiah would arrive, and they were hope, hoping and expecting him. We now have had him, and he has come. We have experienced him. We have the word, and now he's gone. And so now we fast from a position of deep love for Jesus and for God and delighting in him and to draw near to him. Let's, I will open the first verse uh, scripture or two, uh, Matthew chapter nine, verse 14 and 15. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skin bursts and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. So we we fast for more of him. We fast to draw near to him. We have seen him. The hunger of our hearts is for the coming of our king. That's the reason we fast. That's what fasting is for. It's to draw near to Jesus, to to draw near to God. We have seen him. We hunger for our hearts, in our hearts, for the coming of our king. Now, to flesh that out a little more, we're going to read a bunch of the New Testament together. So Colossians 1 verses 4 to 5. Yes, please. Since we heard of your faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all of the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before the word of truth, the gospel. Elijah, please, if you would read Hebrews chapter 10, 32 to 34. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Amen. A better possession and an abiding one. Hebrews 13, 14. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Amen. We seek the city to come. Philippians 3 verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Our citizenship is in heaven. Hebrews 9 
verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Eagerly waiting for him. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7. So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does anybody pick up a, a theme yet? It's okay if you don't. I've the, As you, where is this? As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 2, 12 and 13. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jude, verse 21. Okay. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Thank you. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's that's the little time we're all going to read the Bible together. Now, what we heard through all of these texts are the themes of we have a hope in heaven. We're waiting for a hope which is in heaven. We have a better possession and an abiding one, better than where we are now, better than what we have now. We seek the city to come. That's from Hebrews 13. We are sojourners and exiles. Sojourners is someone who resides temporarily in a place, not primarily their own. And exiles are expelled or barred from somewhere, from their native country. We are sojourners and exiles. We have a citizenship which is in heaven. We eagerly wait for Jesus. We wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are waiting for our blessed hope. We are waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was like all through the New Testament, right? And this is flavor. This is the ethos like the zeitgeist of the church the new of the early church this eagerly waiting we're not there we're not where we want to be this eager expectation pervades the new testament and defines what it means to belong to christ so the challenge is you know there's a bit of i think there's a bit of a correction that is intrinsic in fasting i'm trying to fast. That's the, pre- the primary reason why Spencer approached me is because as in DNA, we uh, help one another to stay sharp and, and we sharpen one another. Or the Lord sharpens us through one another. And so we confess things we want to grow in or things we'd like to do, or we recognize weak spots. And I've been wanting to grow in fasting. I'm happy to, but it's challenging because there's a bit of a word of correction, I think, for us. As I'm trying to grow in fasting, I recognize how how comfortable I am with the status quo, how comfortable I am with breakfast at this time. And this is what breakfast looks like. And then around this time, I'm going to have this and that's going to give me that. And, you know, like I'm so like sustained and, and like reinvigorated by food and by coffee, honestly. And so I don't think I'm alone. Maybe I am more alone than you. And that's good if you have an easier time with fasting. But what I'm trying to say is I have a really hard time with fasting. And if fasting is the putting down of a good thing in order to draw nearer to God, and if fasting is the expression of I am not where I want to be, I am eagerly waiting for you, Lord, I want to be nearer to you, then it's very, it's really like, wow, I'm really 
really poor at doing that in that way. I'm sure there are other ways that we can express our love for God and our desire to be near him. But fasting is not something that should be alien from the Christian life. When Jesus said, then they will fast. And when they fast, these are things that we're meant to be doing. But are we? Do we? Part that's hard for me. I don't want to be too uh, hardcore on things. But honestly, I think it's legitimate to say maybe we don't fast because we're actually quite comfortable here and now. Maybe we don't fast because in a way, we kind of have built a little bit of a comfortable place for ourselves here. Thank God that's not where it ends. It's not a message of condemnation. But maybe there is a little bit of appropriate conviction in this particular uh, exploration of the spiritual discipline, which is fasting. Like, again, unless I'm off base and I'm like way behind others. But if you guys are like me, you don't fast much. You know, it's kind of an option. It's something you kind of want to know more of. And if you've tried it, it's actually really hard and you fail way too much in your own estimation. That's certainly my reality. And so... I'm not comfortable with that. And I'm only because I do love the Lord and I do want to, I cannot wait till I get to be with him. So thank God there is grace and he is working in us. It's a process of sanctification, but let's, uh, let's see fasting as a real gem in the arsenal of process of sanctification. Fasting then poses the question, do we miss him? Luke chapter 18. I will read it, but if you have your Bible handy, go ahead and move to Luke chapter 18. This is another one that kind of hit me a little bit, but I think it's, I think it's, it's okay. I think there's a place for it. Luke 18 verse seven and eight. Well, let's go with six. Let's start with six. Luke chapter 18 verses six, seven and eight. And the Lord said, hear what the righteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily now. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Fasting poses the question, do we miss him? How hungry are we for him to come? Notice the condition in this text that we just read. Notice the condition of those who are vindicated when he comes. Jesus says that they cry for him day and night. So then, I'm quoting, this is not my words, but the quote reads, Where in the West do Christians cry to Christ day and night that he would come and bring about justice for his elect? Again, I think it's a little strong, but on the other hand, it's maybe, if the cry itself is not there, why would we even think of expressing it with fasting? Do we cry for him day and night? Yes, there's opportunities to grow and to explore that more fully. Fasting is one. Praise God for that. What fasting expresses is a desire for Christ to come, a desire to be fully reunited with him. He didn't leave us as orphans. He brought the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, he's gone and we are waiting for him. Uh, we are the bride and he's the bridegroom. And right at the point of, of actually having the wedding ceremony, he went back and we're now waiting. And that makes us very uncomfortable and we are not satisfied. We want our husband very badly, right? So that's true. Now, how does that come about? And here we have evangelism. How that comes about is Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. Commitment to world evangelism. If we really long for Christ to, revert, re to return and the kingdom to come, and we do, 
we do, then we will pour our lives into completing the prerequisite of his coming, which is Matthew 24, 14. If we really long for Christ to return and the kingdom to come, we will be back with him. We will be like with him face to face for real. If we really long for that, and we do, then we will pour our lives into completing the prerequisite for his coming. Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world, throughout the whole world, as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So we have the whole story. There's like blessed hope and assurance. Jesus is mine. Uh, We've been given our marching orders. We've been given all the tools we need to execute and to complete them. Fasting is like maybe a minor one, but it's one. So let's grow in this together as like we have these wonderful tools of DNA and MC, DNA and missional communities where we can gather together in whatever format we can even right now in a, in a pandemic. And let's like explore fasting. It's not it doesn't need to be huge, but it, Jesus went up to 40 days. Moses went 40 days when he was up getting the Ten Commandments. To do a 24-hour fast, not a really big deal. Sometimes you still fail, but we can. And my goodness, it, it, it's good. Like, we're drawing near to God in that time. Then to take it to like a 36-hour fast. So like Monday, at, Monday dinner time, I'm done eating. I don't eat until like Wednesday lunch. That's a good, you know, you've by that time, it's not a big deal, but you do recognize that you are going without in order to draw near to God, right? Don't do it so that other everybody sees you. Instead, like wash your face, clean up and go about your normal life. And your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. And what will he reward us with? He will reward us with like a joy of in him. Like he will reward us with giving us our heart's desire, which is to draw near to him, to be close to him. That will come. That's like the best there is, right? Now then swinging to the dark side of fasting, there are some dangers in fasting. The thing is, if you do get really good at it, it's it's awfully tempting to become uh, believing that you're good or that it's maybe a little bit transactional. If I fast this long, God, then you'll do that. There can be this unconscious sort of like understanding that we go into that with. It's not like that. Matthew 6, verse 16 to 18. And when you fast, do not look great gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So yeah, it can be like an elite thing. It can be like, oh, look how spiritual I am. If you're, you know, like your family members, your MC, know that you're fasting and it's in order to like practically meet some need that you have as like a family member or you really want, like for for me, I might tell the guys in my DNA, they're my brothers. I might tell them that I'm fasting because I want accountability because I... If I don't, I might just fail. And sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So we can disclose that we're fasting. There was also a point somewhere in the book of Acts where like, they fasted together. I think when they sent out Paul and Silas, they fasted together. 
So there's a, it's, that's okay because they're not trying to show off to one another. Instead, they're using fasting for what it's meant for, which is to draw near to God. God gives us freedom in that sense. We don't need to be, it's not about rules. It's about where's your heart? Are you fasting so that other people see and so that you're puffed up? Well, that's a fail. Or are you fasting in order to draw near to God? If, if letting a couple of brothers know that in order to like execute that well, that's not a bad thing in my opinion. Another danger, Luke chapter 18, verse 9 to 14. He also, Jesus then, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. This is Jesus' words. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed like this. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Another text from scripture that highlights the danger of fasting is found in Colossians 2, verses 20 to 23. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish if they are used, as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting, promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So we have to be careful about that. We have to be careful about like turning it into a self-righteousness or a works righteousness. Fasting is not any of that. One of the great things about fasting is that it assists what it expresses. Fasting expresses. It doesn't generate. It doesn't make. It doesn't bring about. But it expresses our hunger to be near to God. And then in the very act of fasting itself, it assists this hunger we have for God by setting aside what can at times be competing pulls of hunger in the flesh. And then in the act itself, it assists this hunger we have for God by setting aside the competing pull of hunger in the flesh. Now I'm going to talk about like the practical things to consider about fasting. And then we can have a discussion with the time remaining. Practical suggestions. Those with certain health conditions should not fast. Diabetics, people who are pregnant, etc. God's word does not require everyone to fast. It's not an outright command. It's, it's a gray area. It's like expected that you will, but it's not a command because not everyone can. One practical way of approaching fasting is to begin with a one-day fast. There's also the Daniel fast. You probably all know about that one where we just eat vegetables, maybe water, for however long you want. If you generally eat more than that, that's a fast. That's challenging. Uh, a Jewish day uh, begins at sunset. So you could go do a Jewish day fast. Uh, when you fast, drink plenty of water. I still drink coffee. I haven't mastered coffee yet. That's what I mean. You know, it's very clear when I'm fasting, like, my goodness, I'm still not where I want to be, not who I want to be. 
So if that's you, join the club. You're not alone. But let's continue to move. Look to God and believe that he can do more for us. He's, he's got more in line, more in store for us. Spend extra time in prayer, especially confession and repentance. Some of you have children where you need to really be at the dinner table. But some of you have a family scenario or a home scenario where you could, instead of sitting at the table, you could go to a private place. And yeah, spend some time in prayer, especially confession and repentance. Spend time studying God's word. Spend time in worship. Uh, you should probably check with a, this, this person recommends you check with a doctor before a longer fast. So a longer fast is anything more than three days. Uh, heads up, longer fasts may experience headaches, bad breath, not really such a problem these days. If you're going to do a longer than three day fast, do it while we can still wear these face masks and it doesn't really matter. Otherwise, you're going to want to watch out for bad breath and you might get some dizziness. And then here it says, if you fail. For me, too often it's when you fail, but it's not always when I fail. Sometimes I, I succeed. But if you fail, ask God's forgiveness, then begin again, right? Let's not be beaten down by uh, falling short of the goal, but let's get back on and try again. Uh, don't eat large amounts of food before fasting. It can be like, I know, in order to ease the fast, I'll just like, I'll bulk up and then I'll just ride those carbs <laughs> No, don't do that. Just eat normal or maybe even eat a little less healthier stuff, some greens, and then, you know, embark on your fast. And then I've got some further reading, but uh, if you wanted some more reading, that can be arranged. Spencer, at this time, would you mind pulling up some slides? So these are slides that I uh, built w from other people. Now I'll read it and it, it should give us uh, some of her a little more punchy. Some of them are not. Uh, I think they though give us a well-rounded approach to how other people through the history of the church have seen fasting throughout. This then is John Calvin commenting on fasting throughout its course, the life of the godly indeed ought to be tempered with frugality and sobriety so that, as far as possible, it bears some resemblance to a fast. But in addition, there's another sort of fasting, temporary in character, when we withdraw something from the normal regimen of living, either for one day or for a definite time, and pledge ourselves to a tighter, more severe restraint in diet than ordinarily. So that's John Calvin speaking on fasting. Next, we're going to move down to number 11. Slide 11 says, so this is from John Wesley. So this is Wesley, and it might not be too stinging. There were a couple that were pretty, pretty like, whoa, zingers, but good for me. But if we desire this reward, which I think he's referring to uh, where Jesus says, your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. But if we desire this reward, let us beware of fancying that we merit anything of God by our fasting. So be careful about thinking that if I fast, then God owes me something. We cannot be too often warned of this. In as much as a desire to establish our own righteousness, to procure salvation of debt and not of grace, is so deeply rooted in all our hearts. Now, I don't think I read that sentence well. Let me read it again. We cannot be too often warned of this. Inasmuch as a desire to establish our own righteousness, to procure salvation of debt and not of grace, 
is so deeply rooted in all our hearts. That's, I think, so true. We can't be warned too often of this because it is so deep in our hearts, this idea that we can earn our salvation from debt and not from grace. Fasting is only a way which God has ordained, wherein we wait for his unmerited favor or mercy, and wherein, without any desert of ours, not deserving any of this, he has promised freely to give us his blessing. That's sobering. You know, that's a good... That's a good, in my opinion, that's a good like description of fasting. It's only a way which God has ordained, wherein we wait for his unmerited mercy. And wherein, without any desert of ours, he has promised freely to give us his blessing. I love how it ends because that's, yeah, he's promised to give us his blessing. Amen. Bring it on, Lord. Number 12. Okay, this is a little longer, but this guy's good. This is Andrew Murray. He's a South African pastor and missionary. Prayer needs fasting for its full growth. Prayer is the one hand with which we grasp the invisible. Fasting is the other hand, the one with which we let go of the visible. In nothing is man more closely connected with the world of sense than in this need for and enjoyment of food. The first thought suggested by Jesus's words in regard to fasting and prayer is that only in a life of moderation and self-denial, will there be sufficient heart and strength to pray much? Fasting helps to express, to deepen, and to confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain the kingdom of God. And Jesus, who himself fasted and sacrificed, knows to value, accept, and reward with spiritual power the soul that is thus ready to give up everything for him and his kingdom. Something to think about. So this is Martin Lloyd-Jones, the doctor. Uh, Fasting, if we conceive of it truly, must not be confined to the question of food and drink. Fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of something of some special spiritual purpose. There are many bodily functions which are right and normal and perfectly legitimate, but which for special peculiar reason in certain circumstances should be controlled. That is fasting. So I let that, that gives us that broader, you know, application or that broader perspective of what fasting can be. What's that? That's 14. Let's go to 16, please. Here's Dallas Willard. Fasting is a hard discipline to practice without its consuming all our attention. Yet when we use it as a part of prayer or service, we cannot allow it to do so. When a person chooses fasting as a spiritual discipline, he or she must then practice it well enough and often enough to become experienced in it. Because only the person who is well habituated to systematic fasting as a discipline can use it effectively as a part of direct service to God, as in spiritual times of prayer and other service. Fasting, J. Oswald Sanders. I don't think I've ever heard of this fellow, but this is, this is I think, a, a good thoughtful quote. Fasting, not a legal requirement, but it, oh yeah. Okay, let me, this is good. This one is good for those of us who like have a hard time with it or shouldn't do it. Fasting is not a legal requirement, but a spontaneous reaction under certain 
under special circumstances. There are godly and prayerful people who have found fasting a hindrance rather than a help. Some are so constituted physically that the lack of a minimum amount of food renders them unable to concentrate in prayer. There is no need for such to be in bondage. Let them do what most helps them to pray. John Piper, this is a little bit harder. I think I wrote one that was a little harder and one that was a little more hopeful. The weakness of our hunger for God is not because he is unsavory, but because we keep ourselves stuffed with other things. Perhaps then the denial of our stomach's appetite for food might express or even increase our soul's appetite for God. Yeah, I think that's solid. And then the last one, joy in God. Again, John Piper, joy in God is the strength to walk with Jesus from the wilderness to the cross and into eternal life. But maintaining that joy against its most subtle and innocent rivals is a lifelong struggle. And in that struggle, fasting is an emissary of grace. Amen. Amen. Anybody who wants to stick around and pose a question or offer up a, a thought, maybe you want to share, you know, a tiny bit of your own experience, whatever. Um, we are happy to uh, spend a couple extra minutes. I just wanted to thank you, Jeff. Um, I have seen fasting, like I, I've seen it, many times as this like transactional thing I've seen people do it in that way right like I'm gonna fast and God's gonna show up and answer this thing um and even you know like for anybody that kind of grew up in a church youth group doing the 30-hour famine or things like that and and so I just it was just a really good like realigning again especially like in this season of Lent a realigning that it's not like a transactional thing it's not like a dietary thing or like a success sort of like thing, but it's, it's out of like a hunger and a thirst for, for more of Jesus. And for, I, like, I love that you said, you know, do we miss him? And I was like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah. So I just thank you for that perspective. It's really powerful. I really appreciated Jeff, um, all the work you did in compiling both the scriptures and the quotes and you did a lot of, um, the legwork for us. And I really appreciate you sharing um, the treasures you found out of that. Uh, I was really struck by, I think it was the Andrew Murray quote, um, just the concept of seeing fasting as like practicing self-denials that when Christ calls us to give up our lives Mm -hmm. for him, that we've already developed that kind of self-control and willingness to sacrifice. Uh, I thought that's really beautiful. I don't think I've, or if I've heard it before, I haven't remembered it or noticed it. Um, but yeah, that that to me, I, I can wrap my head around that better, I think, than I can a lot of the other ways I've heard fasting explained. Like I can see how that is a way to to align myself with Christ and make myself ready to be of use in his kingdom. So thank you. Yeah. Awesome. I think that that gives me some something to run with. Jeff, I can't find the reference. Um, 
I really liked the way that you were talking about fasting as, um, you know, it's not necessarily setting aside bad things, but setting aside good things, gifts yeah. of God, so yeah. that we would draw near to the giver of good gifts. I really like the way that I like that framing. And I think that really resonates and harmonizes with uh, a bunch of things. I'm wondering if in some of your reading, um, you came across any ways that people would um, harmonize that with, uh, I can't find the text in Isaiah where um, Isaiah writes, uh, speaking the words of God, uh, is this not the fast that I choose that you uh, break the bonds of the yoke and um, yeah, that free the captives, etc. 58. Yes. So that's a whole part I chose not to like, dive into but <laughs> in you know like how does i don't even know where to begin but a fast can also take the expression of all those things that god yeah well this isn't is this not the fast that i want to see from you so maybe i shouldn't go into it because you know once you start talking it's hard to stop but Behold, so beginning at verse four, I'm not sure if that's the best place to begin, but, uh, or maybe three, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Uh, will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Rhetorical question is now, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the strap of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him? And not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn. And your healing shall spring, shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take the yoke away, if you take away the yoke, from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. Oh, it was like, again, it was Piper. And he's like, is your church gloomy as a group of people? Are you gloomy? You know, like Piper's pretty hard hitting. And uh, well, maybe it's because while you fast, you're actually not doing any of these things and you are oppressing your, your laborers and you're not raising your hand for the poor and the oppressed in your midst. Well, you can't just stop eating food, but be like functionally incredibly worldly and think that I'm going to like honor that you need, it needs to be both. And, and then I will like, boom, I will bless you with all these things. 
Yeah, and the Lord will guide you continually. Could you imagine if we, and we are a people whose the Lord guides us continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. What an awesome inheritance, you know? What an awesome name to hand down to our future generations. Fasting needs to be... I, may, I, I wish I had more time. <laughs> yeah, fasting needs to be accompanied by like social action. That There's definitely a place for that. Well, and, and Jeff, if I may just add to that, like, I think I, one of the things I love about that passage is the parallels in what the Lord through Isaiah describes there as a fast with Sabbath, um, like setting free uh, the oppressed, um, breaking the yoke and yeah, in, in many ways, <laughs> as, as a, as a people who, or as a culture, maybe who, like, we even struggle practicing Sabbath or, yeah. and I know that that can at, at sometimes be a point of, you know, is it, is it works righteousness or things like that? But, but I wonder if maybe it's also helpful to see Sabbath as a, a fast, if it's, if it's doing all those things, which Isaiah, the Lord through Isaiah there is describing also as fasting very much in line with Sabbath. Amen. It's an author who contributes to this site that I just posted in the chat. This is a site created by Richard uh, Foster, who wrote this book, Celebration of Discipline. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a really great website for like any kinds of resources on the, the disciplines. And so that's that like, it's just me searching fasting on that website. And there's hundreds of articles, podcasts, different things. If you just want to keep journeying down the rabbit hole of this and, um, suggestions for how to practice it. So, um, yeah, thanks everybody. Uh, thank you for being here tonight. Um, Jeff, tell me, dictate to me your email so I can put it in the chat for anybody who wants to continue the conversation with you. For sure. It's, uh, my name, Jeff. So that's J E F F dot Hesselink H E S S E L I N K at Gmail. Okay. And I think that's all that we have for tonight. And thanks for being here. Love you all.